Your patient is a 16-year-old boy whose mother brings him to the office because he saw blood in his urine. He currently has no other symptoms. His mother recalls that he had a sore throat about two weeks ago, but she didn't bring him to the doctor. His medical history is otherwise unremarkable. Vitals show a blood pressure of 134 over 80 millimeters of mercury. The physical exam is normal. Urinalysis shows red blood cells and red cell casts. How will you explain your patient's current condition to his mother? Welcome to Audio Bricks. This is Ed Barnes breaking down the nephritic syndrome in your ears. After completing this brick, you will be able to 1. Define nephritic syndrome and indicate which renal diseases most frequently cause it. 2. Describe how a patient with nephritic syndrome presents. 3. Review the pathophysiology of nephritic syndrome. 4. Describe the clinical diagnosis of nephritic syndrome. And 5. Outline the management of nephritic syndrome. Part 1. What is nephritic syndrome? Nephritic syndrome, don't confuse this term with the similar word nephrotic. Nephritic syndrome is characterized by glomerular inflammation leading to hematuria. It can be seen in a variety of different glomerular diseases. The syndrome is characterized by a group of typical clinical findings. Patients always have hematuria, plus some combination of hypertension, edema, variable degrees of proteinuria. Typically, there is mild to moderate proteinuria, less than 2 grams in a 24-hour period unlike the heavier proteinuria that defines nephrotic syndrome, or a decrease in glomerular filtration rate shown by an elevated serum creatinine concentration. Glomerular diseases that cause nephritic syndrome may be primary, renal disease alone, or secondary due to systemic diseases. But what they all have in common is that underlying inflammation disrupts normal glomerular structure and function. Note that while this syndrome is distinct from nephrotic syndrome, which has greater than 3.5 grams of proteinuria in a 24-hour period, edema, and hyperlipidemia, patients with glomerular disease can have one, both, or neither of these syndromes. Let's stop here for a quick quiz. What is the common pathology behind both nephritic and nephrotic syndromes? Glomerular disease causes both nephritic and nephrotic syndromes. Part 2. How does a patient with nephritic syndrome present? Because there are a number of different glomerular diseases that cause nephritic syndrome, clinical presentations vary. Many patients will not notice the hematuria, which is detected only under the microscope, microscopic hematuria but others may report Coca-Cola or tea-colored urine rather than bright red urine. They will also likely notice increasing edema, lower extremity swelling. Since many of these disorders are due to underlying systemic illness, patients may show specific signs and symptoms of those disorders. For example, arthritis and rash and systemic lupus. You can learn more about these diseases in their individual bricks. 
Here's another quiz. What are typical symptoms in nephritic syndrome? Hematuria and edema are typical symptoms in nephritic syndrome. Part 3. What is the pathophysiology of nephritic syndrome? Nephritic syndrome is a clinical, not pathologic diagnosis. The pathophysiology and histologic appearance have a lot of variability. However, an inflammatory glomerular immune response is common to all the disorders. So what are some of the causes of nephritic syndrome? Nephritic syndrome can be caused by primary glomerular diseases, i.e. diseases limited to the kidney, or due to secondary systemic diseases that involve the kidney. Note that several of these conditions may also cause nephrotic syndrome in a subset of patients, and that these diseases may cause neither nephritic nor nephrotic syndrome in other patients. So try not to equate these diseases with the nephritic or nephrotic syndromes. They are associated but not directly connected. Again, you can learn about these disorders in individual bricks. The primary glomerular diseases that may cause nephritic syndrome are Alport syndrome, IgA nephropathy, primary membranoproliferative glomerulonephropathy, also known as MPGN. MPGN also may cause nephrotic syndrome. Then there are the systemic disorders that may cause secondary nephritic syndrome. They are anti-GBM diseases, Good pasture syndrome also causes pulmonary hemorrhage. Hepatitis C-associated MPGN. Post-infectious glomerulonephritis caused by staph or strep infections. Systemic lupus erythematosus, also known as SLE, which also may cause nephrotic syndrome. Systemic vasculitis, for example, granulomatosis with polyangitis, IgA vasculitis, eosinophilic granulomatosis with polyangitis. Systemic vasculitis commonly involves the kidney as glomerular disease, especially small vessel vasculitis like granulomatosis with polyangitis. This makes sense because the glomeruli are made of small blood vessels, capillaries. The blood vessel inflammation associated with vasculitis damages the glomeruli and causes inflammation and nephritic syndrome. There may be associated pulmonary disease. At times, they are referred to as pulmonary renal syndromes. Now, let's dive deeper into the histopathology of nephritic syndromes. In practice, if we looked only at the renal histology in patients with nephritic syndrome, we could not predict with certainty what the clinical findings would be. For example, IgA nephropathy can be nephritic or nephrotic, yet these may look very similar on biopsy. Said another way, we use pathology to identify a specific glomerular disease, but whether a patient presents with nephrotic syndrome or nephritic syndrome is a distinction based on the clinical findings, not the pathology. That said, there are certain features of glomerular pathology that are common in patients with nephritic syndrome. These include glomerular cellular proliferation, epithelial crescents, and immune complexes. Most diseases that lead to a nephritic syndrome have cellular proliferation as a feature. Proliferative glomerular diseases is characterized by glomerular hypercellularity. The increased cellularity 
includes an increased number of mesangial cells, endothelial cells, and parietal epithelial cells. This hypercellularity can also include inflammatory cells, such as neutrophils or mononuclear cells that have migrated into the glomerular capillaries. Examples of proliferative glomerulonephritis include IgA nephropathy, post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis, and lupus nephritis. This cellular proliferation is an inflammatory response and contributes to the reduced glomerular filtration rate, also known as GFR, and rising serum creatinine that are seen in many cases of nephritic syndrome. At its worst, it can even lead to severe renal failure with oliguria, which means falling urine output. A syndrome termed rapidly progressive glomerulonephritis, also known as RPGN. An important type of proliferation in some nephritic patients, especially those with falling GFR, is the presence of glomerular crescents. These crescents form in Bowman space from layers of proliferating parietal epithelial cells, macrophages, and fibroblasts. Fibrin, immunoglobulins, cytokines, and complement proteins accumulate within the crescents, as well as along the capillary endothelium and around podocytes. Patients with a high percentage of glomeruli with crescents often present with the clinical findings of RPGN, i.e. a falling GEFR. RPGN can be seen in any of the glomerular diseases that cause nephritic syndrome, but it is most common with anti-GBM disease and granulomatosis with polyangitis, also known as GPA. Immune complexes play an important role in the pathophysiology of nephritic syndrome, just as they do in nephrotic syndrome. The complexes sometimes are trapped as they circulate in the blood, but they also may form in situ, right in the glomerulus as part of the immune response. Depending on the specific diseases, the complexes can be anywhere in the glomerulus, for example, scattered in the mesangial cell matrix, or within the glomerular basement membrane. The most common nephritic disorders that are associated with immune complex deposition are IgA nephropathy, lupus nephritis, post-infectious glomerulonephritis, and membranoproliferative glomerulonephritis. The other immune patterns seen in biopsies of patients with nephritic diseases include the deposition of autoantibodies onto the glomerular basement membrane, like those seen in anti-GBM disease, and posseimmune glomerulonephritis, in which there is evidence of immune injury but without discrete immune complexes seen on biopsy. An example of posseimmune is granulomatosis with polyangitis. Let's stop for another quiz. What features characterize rapidly progressive glomerulonephritis? Rapidly progressive glomerulonephritis is characterized by glomerular epithelial crescents on biopsy, decreasing GFR, and hematuria. Part 4. How do we diagnose nephritic syndrome? When nephritic syndrome is suspected by a history and physical exam, the workup includes a urinalysis with microscopy to document hematuria, serum BUN, and creatinine to look for a decreased GFR, as well as a complete blood count and complement levels. Many patients require a renal biopsy. Urine tests are used to detect red blood cells, red blood cell casts, protein, 
and creatinine in the urine. Hematuria is seen in all cases of nephritic syndrome. When microscopy is performed, dysmorphic or abnormally shaped RBCs are suggestive of glomerular disease and nephritic syndrome. Red blood cell casts are highly specific for glomerular disease and strongly suggest nephritic syndrome. The RBC cast is a cigar-shaped collection of red blood cells and other tubular debris that is encased in a sticky proteinaceous substance known as Tam Horsfall protein. The bleeding from the glomerulus makes a cast of the renal tubule and then eventually gets excreted into the collecting space and into the urine. The amount of proteinuria and nephritic syndrome is variable and should be quantitated with the urine protein creatinine ratio. Some nephritic diseases like lupus nephritis can present with both nephritic syndrome and nephrotic range proteinuria, meaning greater than 3.5 grams of protein in a gram of creatinine, or nephrotic syndrome simultaneously. Serum studies can be helpful in the diagnosis of nephritic syndrome because evaluation can focus on the underlying disease. While renal biopsy is necessary in most cases, selected serology studies may aid in diagnosis. Measuring the complement 3 or C3 and complement 4 or C4 levels is helpful in differentiating between etiologies of nephritis. C3 levels are decreased in post-infectious glomerulonephritis, lupus nephritis, and membranoproliferative glomerulonephritis. In addition, C4 is low in lupus nephritis. So assessing these levels can narrow the list of diagnostic possibilities. Cryoglobulins are a mix of immunoglobulins and complement that precipitate at less than 37 degrees Celsius. They are seen in a variety of inflammatory and infectious diseases, including glomerular disease. Most common is membranoproliferative glomerulonephritis seen with hepatitis C infection. Serum antibodies, common serology studies for the various causative diseases might include anti-glomerular basement membrane antibodies for anti-GBM disease, anti-neutrophil cytoplasmic antibodies, also known as ANCA, associated with systemic vasculitis, such as granulomatosis with polyangitis, anti-nuclear antigens, and anti-double-stranded DNA for lupus nephritis. Anti-streptolysin O or anti-DNase B in patients with recent suspected streptococcal infections like pharyngitis or a skin infection. Renal biopsy is often required for the diagnosis as well. The procedure is often done with ultrasound or CT guidance and is quite safe but not without risks. This means there should be a clear therapeutic implications based on biopsy results. Biopsy should not be performed in patients with nephritic syndrome where the cause of renal disease is obvious and where no therapy would be initiated if the biopsy is positive. For instance, a patient with nephritic syndrome and a positive anti-streptolysin O titer occurring two weeks after a strep throat likely has post-streptococcal GN and will generally recover without specific treatment. Likewise, patients with mild hematuria normal renal function, and no proteinuria may have IgA nephropathy, which can be initially observed without biopsy, as there is no specific treatment. 
Biopsy is always needed if the serum creatinine is rising rapidly, like an RPGN, because early treatment of causative diseases like anti-GBM disease and GPA is key to preserving kidney function. Let's pause for a quiz before we move on. When is renal biopsy indicated in the workup of nephritic and nephrotic syndromes? Renal biopsy is indicated in nephritic patients when therapy would change based on the result or when the creatinine is increasing rapidly. Part 5. How do we manage nephritic syndrome? Treatment of nephritic syndrome is based on treating the underlying cause. Curative treatment is usually only done after a biopsy shows a disorder responsive to immunosuppressive drugs like prednisone, cyclophosphamide, or other drugs from some inflammatory diseases like lupus nephritis or GPA. Anti-GBM diseases require plasmapheresis to remove damaging circulating antibodies. In other cases, treatment may be supportive. For example, treatment of post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis is mainly supportive, including fluid restriction, diuretics for severe edema, and blood pressure control with antihypertensive medication when needed. Dialysis may sometimes be needed for nephritic syndromes if the GFR falls to very low levels and or uremic symptoms and signs, like confusion or itching, or hyperkalemia or acidosis occur. All patients with chronic glomerular disease should receive antihypertensive therapy to control blood pressure to the normal range of their age. Treatment generally includes angiotensin-converting enzymes inhibitors or ACE inhibitors, or angiotensin receptor blockers, for it's effective to lower blood pressure, lower proteinuria, and so the progression of many glomerular diseases by reducing intraglomerular pressure and reducing the pressure load on and already stressed glomeruli. Let's stop for one last quiz. Why would corticosteroids be used in the treatment of nephritic syndrome? Corticosteroids reduce inflammation as well as other immune-mediated processes that contribute to most causes of nephritic syndrome. You can learn more about all the diseases that cause nephritic syndrome in other bricks, but let's spend some time now putting it all together. First, let's review the diseases that lead to nephritic syndrome, along with their underlying etiology, symptoms, and common tests used for diagnosis. We can group them by some key features. The vasculitides that have renal and pulmonary components include anti-GBM disease, eosinophilic granulomatosis with polyangitis, and granulomatosis with polyangitis. Anti-GBM diseases have the distinguishing feature that include dyspnea and hemoptysis, and also are positive for anti-GBM antibodies. Eosinophilic granulomatosis with polyangitis patients traditionally have pre-existing asthma-like symptoms. They present with dyspnea, abdominal pain, asthma symptoms, pulmonary infiltrates, fever, and pulperic rash. Diagnostic tests are positive for P-ANCA, eosinophilia, and infiltrates on chest x-ray. Patients with granulomatosis with polyangitis present with sinusitis, dyspnea, and a pulperic rash. These patients are positive for C-ANCA and also exhibit 
changes on chest x-ray. The next grouping are those conditions that have a decline in their serum complement levels, and those include lupus nephritis, membranoproliferative glomerulonephritis, also known as MPGN, and post-infectious glomerulonephritis. Lupus nephritis patients classically have a history of systemic lupus with the extrarenal features of arthritis, rash, and fatigue. Diagnostic tests are positive for ANA, anti-double-stranded DNA, and a low serum complement level. MPGN can have a positive history of hepatitis C or cryoglobulinemia. These patients can present with jaundice and sometimes abdominal pain. Diagnostic tests can be positive for hepatitis C serology, and they also have a low serum complement level. Post-infectious glomerulonephritis patients traditionally have had preceding strep A or staph infections. They present with a history of sore throat one to two weeks prior to the renal presentation. Diagnostic tests are positive for ASO, anti-DNAs B, and low serum complement levels. And finally, patients with IgA have a nephropathy where the patients have a concurrent viral URI or as a vasculitis where they present with arthralgias, abdominal pain, pulpura, and neuropathy. And that brings us to the end of our discussion on nephritic syndrome. Now, let's recap to see if we've completed our goals. First, are you able to define the two characteristic features that define nephritic syndrome? Nephritic syndrome is characterized by glomerular inflammation leading to hematuria. Next, can you name the four key presenting signs and symptoms that patients with nephritic syndrome present with? Hematuria, edema, non-nephrotic range proteinuria, and a decline in renal function with a rising serum creatinine. Next, are you able to name three histopathology findings on renal biopsy in patients with nephritic syndrome? That would be cellular proliferation, immune complex formation or deposition, and epithelial crescent formation. Next, can you name two urinary sediment findings that are found in patients with nephritic syndrome? Dysmorphic RBCs and RBC casts are both found in patients with nephritic syndrome. Next, and finally, are you able to describe how we manage patients with nephritic syndrome? Curative treatment is usually only done after a biopsy shows a specific disorder responsive to immunosuppressive drugs like prednisone, cyclophosphamide, or plasmapheresis if indicated. Some disorders may only require supportive treatment with fluid restriction, diuretics for severe edema, and blood pressure control with consideration of using an ACE inhibitor or an angiotensin receptor blocker if renal function and potassium levels don't provide a contraindication. And that's it. Armed with your newfound knowledge on nephritic syndrome, let's get back to the patient from the beginning of this episode. 
You're seeing a 16-year-old boy whose mother brought him in to be seen for gross hematuria and a sore throat about two weeks ago. Your analysis revealed red blood cells and red cell casts. How will you explain your patient's current condition to his mother? Considering the possibility of post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis, you order C3, C4 levels, and an anti-streptolysin O titer, which return with a low C3 and a positive ASO. You explain to your patient and his mother that he has post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis, also known as PSGN, a kidney inflammation that sometimes develops after a strep throat infection. You further explain that the PSGN tends to get better on its own, and you can closely follow up with him as an outpatient. You assure your patient that most patients recover completely without complications. You schedule a follow-up appointment in 48 hours and plan to recheck his blood pressure and serum creatinine at that time. And that's it for our show. Make sure to like and subscribe if you like what you hear. And remember, your feedback helps us improve. You can enjoy the full Brick experience online at www.usmle-rx.com, complete with illustrations, questions, flashcards, and active learning. So go check that out if you haven't already. Until next time.